0: morning, everyone. Uh, today, we're going to continue the book of Daniel. Today's passage is easily one of the most well-known events in the life of Daniel. It's actually one of the most well-known stories in the Bible. Even my own son knows this one. If I say Daniel and the, and he knows, it's, it's Lion's Den. How many of you have heard the story before? I think uh, D- uh, Daniel Wong gave, gave away the ending already, so... So let me just close in prayer right now. Oh, no, no, okay, okay, all right, all right. All the right. oh, youth kids just got excited. Oh, lunch, okay. All right, well, we are in chapter six today, but let me first summarize the last two chapters. Uh, in chapter four, King Nebuchadnezzar has his dream about a big tree that got cut down, and he was warned about his lifestyle, and he was punished until he acknowledged God, and then he was restored, But then in chapter 5, King Belshazzar saw fingers writing on the wall. Do you guys remember that? Mene, mene, tekel, parson. Numbered, numbered, judged, divided. It was too late for him, though, and so he was slain in the end. And it was a reminder that we will all be judged one day. And so we want to honor God through our actions and attitudes and kind of learn from this history. So today we begin chapter 6, and now Daniel is contending with yet another king. King Darius, and the end of the last chapter was that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom. The Babylonians are no more, and now begins the reign of the Medes and the Persians. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know we have much to learn from Daniel's life. We know he was a man of prayer and a man of good character. Father, I pray that you send the Spirit to convict our hearts, Father, to be like him in those respects. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's begin in Daniel 6. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. So satraps are like governors, so there's basically 120 governors to rule throughout the kingdom so that the king might not suffer loss. There were probably issues of theft and, and corruption, so the king probably had to hire all these people uh, to oversee things. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators in the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So he's about to be promoted. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor neg- negligent. Have you ever been in a workplace where one of your peers gets promoted above you? Anybody? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jane. All right. Does it get awkward? Right? Like, like your friend is now your boss, Right? And so we might feel resentment, right? And like, like, why didn't we get promoted, right? Like, why him? And I think this might be what happens here. And this is apparently how his colleagues react, right? Immediately, they're trying to find ways to get him disqualified. And part of me was wondering, like, man, I wonder if they were the ones who were kind of corrupt, right? Stealing from the king. And they realized, like, oh, man, with Daniel over us, you know, and he's, we, know he's untrust, or we know he's trustworthy and unbribable, uh, maybe— maybe their corruption will get exposed. So they had to find this way to torpedo his career. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Man, we will never find anything. This guy is too clean, right? And if we find anything, it has to, to do with something with his law of his God, something, something to do because of, his, uh, because of his God that will somehow be against the Persian kingdom. And imagine one of them saying this, and, and then like an evil eye, right? Like, oh, hmm, like there's a thought, right? Like, he, you know, they're rubbing their chin, like, unless it has to do with the law of his God, hmm, let's go hatch something up, right? You can almost kind of see the, see the wheels turning as they start scheming against Daniel. Unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. And of course they're firing the king. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king shall, should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or, human, or god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Man, they have already started lying. We all have agreed that you should do this. Well, maybe everybody except for Daniel, right? Somehow, I don't think Daniel would have agreed to this. They appealed to his ego, right? Everyone has to pray to you, or else they will be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing, King Darius is like, sounds good to me. Where do I sign? Oh, King Darius, like, he, this is the beginning of your problems. Right here. This is the beginning of your problems. He signed it. What's the worst that could happen? Am I right? He doesn't realize the implications. I mean, he swept off his feet because of his own ego. I mean, he is being manipulated, but come on. Everyone has to pray to me or else die? Come on, Darius right? He should have had the sense to ask, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Back up the bus. What does Daniel think about this new law? I mean, Daniel was about to appoint Daniel as his right-hand man, and he didn't even think to consult Daniel about this new law. Come on, Darius, right? And in verse 10, now when Daniel learned that this degree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Let me paraphrase this. When Daniel learned about that this decree had been published, he did nothing differently in his life. Business as usual. Prayer was just a regular part of his life, and it showed. We'll get back to this later. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next thirty days, that anyone who prays to any god or human, except human being, except to you, your Majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? Didn't you say this? Because we caught Daniel; we have him now. The king answered, "The decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed." He's kind of like, "Well, yeah. Why?" Then the king. Uh, then they said to the king, Daniel who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. Here we go. They report Daniel to the king, and Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, has disobeyed you. Do you see what they're doing? They're trying to plant seeds of doubt. He's an exile. He's a foreigner, so he cannot be trusted. That's what they're really saying, right? You can't really trust him. How I many guys know KT? KT is on the council of this church. He is the deacon of the equipped department. If I was trying to throw shade on KT, you know what I would say? Oh Pastor Mike, may you live forever. KT, who is one of the foreigners from Norway, pays no attention to you or to the council agendas that you have put into writing he still prays three times a day. Right? We can't really trust those Norwegians, can we? I actually found this on the internet. It turns out Norway is much more trusting of people than the United States is. I I know it's hard to see and this is a graph of the percent of people expressing a high level of trust in others from 2008. Norway is down near the bottom and actually Most of those countries, uh, Finland, Norway, Sweden, Denmark, uh, they're all apparently very trusting countries. And I realize this is a graph about trusting others in general and not general trustworthiness of each nation, but perhaps it goes both ways. So when I look this up, I'm like, oh, maybe I should trust him more. He's a trustworthy guy. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Now, we, we, we know that Darius really liked Daniel. He made every effort to save Daniel. And first, to be honest, he's probably upset with Daniel for ignoring the new law. He's probably like, come on, man. Couldn't you just held off praying to your God for 30 days? I was just about to make you my right-hand man. Secondly, he's probably upset at those, at those leaders for cooking up this whole scheme. You know, you guys did this, and I'm on to you now. And honestly, he's, just, he's probably upset with himself. For being manipulated by the administrators. And so he's probably trying to find loopholes in the law. Darius was probably the most powerful man of his day. But he kind of tied his own hands. And his foolishness was probably clear to him now. He was powerless to, to, to reverse it. And honestly, I, he's a victim of his own power and authority. And his ego. Am I right? But he can't rescue Daniel, and that's a shame. You know, he's, he's probably like, you know. And we'll skip to verse 16. So the king gave the order... And they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and the rings of his nobles so that the king's, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without entertainment, being brought to him, and he could not sleep. Darius is honestly not happy. He's genuinely concerned. No food, no entertainment, no sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue from the lions? Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you your majesty. I have not done wrong before you nor God. I am completely innocent. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den, and when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children, and before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Darius was not dumb here. He knows he was manipulated, and he punishes those responsible for scheming against Daniel. And then incredibly, Daniel gives his official response. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language and all the earth, "'May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel.'" For He is the living God, and He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and He saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. What a reversal, huh? Yesterday, it was pray only to King Darius or die. Today, it's everyone must fear and revere the God of Daniel. Everyone. All the nations and peoples of every language on this earth, everyone, everyone must fear and revere the God of Daniel. God is forever, God rescues, God saves, God performs signs and wonders. What a reversal! So, Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So, I want to summarize. Darius is now the new king, and King Belshazzar was slain after the writing on the wall. Daniel's one of the key leaders, but the other leaders were jealous because the king thought so highly of Daniel, so they tried to find a way to trap Daniel. They tried to torpedo his career, but Daniel was so trustworthy and so faithful that they couldn't find any dirt on him. So they hashed up this nasty plan. They fired to the king. You, king, you're an amazing king. You know that? May you live forever. Hey, you know what? We, got, we all got together. And I mean, we all got together. No one was left out for reals. And we all think that you're a great king, so, fat, so great in fact that we think you ought to make a new law, a law that forbids people from worshiping any other god but you just for the next 30 days. And if they do pray to anyone else, you should probably throw them into a den of lions. Yeah, you should do this. You should totally do this. Now, Daniel must have thought himself pretty important because he responds, gentlemen, that sounds like a great idea. Where do I sign this law? And just like that, it's the law. Now, Daniel, he was a good, diligent worker for Daniel, for Darius, but he knew Darius was no God. He's not praying to him. So Daniel kept on praying to his own God, just like he had always done. Nothing new, nothing changed. Well, the jealous leaders caught Daniel. Surprise, surprise, surprise. And when Darius was told, he was upset. And at this point, he realized he didn't exactly think this law through. He never meant for Daniel to be fed to the lions. But he signed the law, and there's no going back. The law is the law is the law. Daniel was thrown into the den. Darius goes home, a sad man. He doesn't sleep all night. The next morning, the king rushes back to the lion's den. Daniel, are you, are you there? He's not really sure if he's going to hear Daniel's voice or a lion's voice, right? Yes, I'm okay. I'm okay. God sent his angels and he, and he shut the lion's mouth. Daniel went free and the schemers were thrown into the lion's den. And then, Daniel, and then King Darius signs a new law calling on all the people to fear and revere the God of Daniel. Well, 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 right? How the tables turn. I think there are two things we can learn from Daniel here. I want us to think about Daniel to be like him in the secular sense and to be like him in the spiritual sense. To be like him in the secular sense and to be like him in the spiritual sense. And the first is to be like with Daniel with respect to his secular sense. I know we don't really talk about secular qualities a lot. So I'm going to spend some more time on this. His work, to be a good example to others, to work well. We can honor God through our work. If you, if you remember at the beginning, the other leaders were trying to dig up dirt on Daniel to use it against him. But they, in verse, in verse 4, "...but they could find no corruption in him." Because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor neg- nor ne- nor negligent, let's take a closer look at these words. He was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor n- negligent. So when you're trustworthy, you're you're just honest, you're, you're honest and truthful, or truthful. And he was apparently was a great he was a great employee for the Persian Empire. And these are my homemade definitions for the purposes of this message. If you're corrupt, you intentionally do bad things, right? And if you're negligent, you unintentionally or accidentally do bad things. If you're corrupt, you intentionally do bad things, and if you're negligent, you unintentionally or accidentally do bad things. It seems that Daniel didn't do bad things, either intentionally or unintentionally. He was a great worker, a great employee. This is being a good witness to others. Daniel was unwittingly a good witness to his enemies. Right now, think about where you work right now or where you go to school. Are you trustworthy? Are we honest and truthful in our dealings? Are we honest and truthful as we go about our day? Are we neither corrupt nor negligent as Daniel was? Maybe people who don't like us, maybe especially people who don't like us, maybe they're watching. Maybe they're watching our conduct. Do we give them ammunition against us? Adults in our workplaces, are we neither corrupt nor negligent? Are we a good witness to others? Do we honor God through our actions and our attitudes and our careers? Are we corrupt at work? Do we gossip about other employees? Do we do unethical things to climb the corporate ladder? Do we pad our expense reports? Does our conduct with our clients, our customers, or our patients honor God? Do we honor our coworkers? Do we honor our bosses? And before you, comp- before you complain about your bosses, Daniel, bosses have been King Nebuchadnezzar, who built a hum- huge image of gold, and anyone who didn't worship it would be thrown into a furnace. King Belshazzar, who defiled God's holy vessels and lived a- an extravagant life. And now King Darius, who said that anyone who didn't pray to him for the next 30 days would be fed to the lions. Adults, are we negligent at work? Or are we good, diligent workers for whatever company or business we work for? Do we get our monthly reports out in time? Do we get our expense report filled out in time? Our presentations completed? Do we hit our monthly metrics for whatever job we work in? Do good work, work well. Whatever our coworkers or bosses think about us, what would they say about us? Especially the non-Christian ones, what would they say about us? Daniel's fellow workers were, were not followers of God, but even they had to say, "We can't find any dirt on this guy." What would your bosses say about you? Would they say, "I can't find any corruption or neg- negligence in this employee, just like Daniel's coworkers? Or would it be, "I have a whole list of things that this person is about this person that isn't exactly flattering. He or she does shoddy work. Students, in school, are you neither corrupt nor negligent? Are we a goodness to others? Do we honor God through our actions and attitudes while we're at school? I had a youth kid once, who once told me, uh, Andy, I would never swear around you. He's watching his behavior around me. And I wasn't sure if I was flattered. I responded to him, it's fine that you, find you hide your behavior around me, but do you really think you're hiding it from God and others? So his friends and his classmates knew about his behavior what kind of witness was it to, to them, do you think? Youth kids know to behave around Michelle or me, their youth leaders. They know to hide their behavior from their parents. They know to behave while they're here at church. But what would their friends, their classmates, and teachers say about them and their behavior? Are we corrupt at school? Do we cheat on exams, tests, quizzes, or homework? Do we drop F-bombs everywhere? Do we gossip about others? Do we look at content that we shouldn't be? Are we negligent at school? Do we do our homework in time? Do we study for classes? Do we take care to manage our time to get the assignments we, we need to get done before we start streaming or gaming? Adults and students, if you're someone who claims to be a Christian, do you represent Jesus well or not well? Daniel's boss thought highly of him, so much that he was going to promote Daniel. Daniel's evil co-workers also thought highly of him, whether they wanted to or not. They could find no fault with him. So when we do good deeds, do good things, say good things, God gets the glory and other people may notice. Paul wrote to Titus, In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. This is exactly what happened. This is exactly what happened in today's passage. Daniel's enemies had nothing bad to say about him. They were trying to find something bad to say about him, but they couldn't. Daniel was trustworthy because he was neither corrupt nor negligent. Maybe he double-checked his math before he made financial decisions. Maybe he double-checked the law when he made legal decisions. I I don't know. But the way he conducted himself, he did well. He worked well to the point that his opponents could find nothing bad about him. They're like, man, this guy, he's, he's dotted every I, I and crossed every T. He does business above board, not under the table. He's clean as a whistle. We can't find anything bad about Daniel. We got nothing. We represent Jesus. And at church, we tend to focus on the moral and spiritual issues. be could behave, pray, read your Bible, right? But we should also do our work, our secular work, well. And I used to work... In the secular world people are watching and maybe especially people who don't like you maybe we don't think about god in our secular careers because we think that our work isn't important to god who cares if i'm dealing with a patient or i'm laying brickwork or i'm cleaning bathrooms or i'm arguing a law case this isn't spiritual does god really care about how well i fill fill out my expense report but each decision is important to God, and we need to know that. We have to ask ourselves, whose kingdom are we building? Daniel was awesome in his job, and he maintained his integrity. He served all these pagan kings, right? They weren't like, you know, godly kings. They were pagan kings that were against his own faith. King Nebuchadnezzar, King Belshazzar, and King Darius. They weren't the greatest bosses, and he still served them well. His service to these kings, that was for the purposes for God. Look at, how he, look at how he was able to honor God even though he was just doing only administrative tasks. His faith and conduct were still intact even as, as he was working in a foreign country with opposing values. By working well in our lives, by, by doing well at school, we can be building God's kingdom through our witness to others. Who knows what may happen? Daniel he probably gave up on these kings, right? Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, and now Darius, like all doing all these, all these crazy dumb things. He probably given up on them. And I, I, could, I could just see Daniel rolling his eyes, like, can't you? Like, he was probably thinking, great, new king, same old stuff <laughs> that I have to put up with, right? This is getting old. Like, what now? What, 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 what silly thing is this new king going to do now? oh, okay, pray to somebody, pray to, we got to pray to him, and if we don't, then, you know, you get thrown into lion's den. And yet, at the end of this, the king proclaims God's name throughout the entire kingdom. I, I have to imagine Daniel was, like, just shocked, like, whoa. He's probably amazed, and we should be too. We don't know how our conduct is, is, is going to be perceived. If you are working, you're building God's kingdom through your good witness to your co-workers and your bosses. Students, you're building God's kingdom through your good witness to your friends and classmates. If you're struggling at work or school, like I know some of you are, confront it with the truth. Be like Daniel. Be trustworthy. Be neither corrupt nor negligent. So the first point is to be like Daniel in the secular sense. Do your work well, whether you are a student or an adult. Okay, we've addressed the secular now I want to address the spiritual. So, the second thing is to be like Daniel in his spiritual life, right? The first part is to be like him in his secular life, and now be like Daniel in his spiritual life. Let's be consistent with our effort on our relationship, on our on relationship with God. And specifically, here I have prayed to God regularly, and I know it's like, oh yeah, pray, pray to God. This is the spiritual thing. L- l- let me, let me um, explain this. Many years ago, before I even graduated from seminary, I had some stuff happen to me, and I was praying every night. I got down on the floor with, um, on my knees with my forehead touching the carpet, and I remember, I remember reflecting back and thinking, man, it took, it took some issues for me to, to start talking to God more regularly, and I felt bad. I, I felt ashamed. Like, when my life was going great, I didn't really talk to God as much, but when my life wasn't going great, that's when I started praying more In Daniel, verse 10, three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. When a law was passed that you couldn't pray to God, Daniel did nothing differently in his life. It was business as usual. He didn't pray anymore. He didn't pray any less. Prayer was just a regular part of his life, and it showed. He risked his his life, when in my eyes, he really didn't need to. Darius' dumb law was only valid for 30 days. You can't pray to anyone else for 30 days. Afterwards, you can go back to praying to whomever you want to pray for. It's just for the next 30 days, don't do it. It's temporary. You didn't have to pray to Darius, right? You could just not pray at all. It was only if you're going to pray to anyone, you had to pray to Darius, It's not like Daniel was asked to deny his faith. It's not like Daniel was asked to worship an idol. Just don't pray to God for the next 30 days. That's it. For one month of your life, of of your entire lifetime, don't pray to God. For one month of your entire life, don't pray to God. And for some of us, maybe we've already done this. Achievement unlocked. Have not prayed to God for one month. Check. Done. Accomplished. Right? Think about the last time you prayed to God. Has it been a month already or longer? Actually, okay, let's, ask this. let's say this law was enacted today in our country, the United States. From today, April 30th, 2023, until May 30th, 2023, no one can pray to God. Let's pretend this is actual law. So let's ask ourselves this difficult question. If this law were, were a, was a real thing today, would it make a difference in our lives? Think about that for a moment. If prayer was banned in the United States for the next month under penalty of death, would it make a difference in our lives? Would we even notice? Would we be okay? Maybe your answer is surprising. Maybe your answer is embarrassing. Daniel was disciplined Daniel had a disciplined and regular prayer life. The passage doesn't talk much about Daniel's state of mind during this whole ordeal, but I got to imagine he was freaked out, right? He was a target of a a state-sponsored smear campaign, probably, right? He spent the night in a lion's den, and yet I think he was able to go through all this because he was in constant, regular prayer with God. When we see an amazing musician perform, or an amazing athlete play, we know it's the result of days, months, years of regular discipline and practice, right? We watch our favorite musicians, our favorite K-pop bands, right? We watch our favorite football players and basketball players or baseball players play. We know they've been practicing. They've been working out. Discipline and regularity are keys to success. And that's, that's true of our spiritual lives as well. We need to be disciplined and regular when we pray Not just go to God when we need things, like I did in seminary. Musicians and athletes, they don't just practice the night before they perform, right? That that would be silly, right? An orchestra doesn't only practice just the night before they have to give a concert, right? The football players don't only work out the night before the Super Bowl, right? That's silly. But that's like us only going to God when we need Him, irregularly. And so, just as musicians and athletes need to practice and work out every day, we should be praying every day. And more broadly, all spiritual disciplines reading the Bible, meditating, being in Christian fellowship. We need to do that on a regular basis. Daniel had many long years of discipline praying so that when there was a sudden crisis, his spiritual focus wasn't destroyed, right? He is still on track, he can still be focused. Yeah, his life uh, hung in the balance, but he still gave thanks to God just as he he had done before. How awesome would it be for us if we were able to thank God even when we're in the middle of some major life drama? So when there are issues in our lives, we can go to God in a regular way, just like Daniel did. I'm not saying Daniel wasn't freaked out. You're not allowed to freak out when you have life drama, but he was still able to focus on God. Let's have a constant relationship with God. Some of you already know this, but my family was hit with three major life drama things uh, this past Monday, uh, six days ago. All three of them came on the same day, and actually all three of them are completely separate from one another. I've lost some sleep, and I'm, I'm I'm better now, but being in regular prayer with God has helped Jane and me. So let us keep up that regular habit of prayer and other spiritual disciplines, just like, ma- just like Daniel, a man of prayer. Let's have that healthy prayer life. Let's make prayer and other spiritual disciplines, reading the Bible, you know, other things, a regular part of our life. Let's not just do it when it's convenient for us. So let's be like Daniel in his secular life. Let's be trustworthy. Don't be corrupt or neg- negligent. Do your job well. And let's be like Daniel in his spiritual life with constant, regular prayer and other spiritual disciplines. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are to be light of the world and salt of the earth. Lamps should not be hidden. Father, I pray that You send His Spirit to us. Help us, enable us, convict us, Father, so that we may be light to the world, whether they know You or not. Whether we, do the main, we, whether we do the mundane things over the jobs that You have blessed us with, whether we are working on a relationship with You, getting to know You more, Father, let us be that light. Let us be that good witness to others that others may be one for the kingdom, that we may be a good witness so that others may proclaim that You are forever. Thank You for sending Your Son to die for us on that cross. In Your Son's most holy and precious name, amen.